Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Biliteracy Now podcast. I'm your host, Diana, and for today's episode, I'm interviewing a very special guest. Thank you again for joining me today. As always, you can follow me on any social media platform at Biliteracy Now and visit my website, biliteracynow.com. Now this episode is slightly different than the rest as this is actually a phone interview that I recorded with my really good friend Christina from Bilingual Adventures. In the interview, she discusses things like her experience as a bilingual educator, her likes and dislikes, where she sees herself in five years, and she even shares advice to fellow bilingual educators. She also discusses her work with social justice. Enjoy. So to start, um, I guess you can tell me your name, and then where people can find you on social media. Okay, so my name is uh, Cristina Gonzalez, and you can find me on Instagram. My handle is bilingual underscore adventures. Um, And that's the only social media that I have. I don't use Facebook, I don't use Twitter. um, So Instagram's the only way to get a hold of me. Okay, perfect. Um, So tell us, what do you teach? So I'm currently teaching uh, kindergarten bilingual. Uh, I am self-contained, so I'm teaching all the subjects. Um, And this is my fourth year in that grade level. Um, Overall, I've taught 12 years. Um, I've taught first grade bilingual, third grade bilingual, uh, and then I did one year of third grade math and science, uh, not in the bilingual program. Okay. What was your favorite, would you say? Or what is your favorite? I would say first grade. I would say first grade was my favorite. I I love kindergarten, don't get me wrong. But I think it was a good experience having first uh, first grade before because I know where I need to get them in kindergarten. But I think first grade, they're still little but they're, they're a little bit more independent. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, they're, they're like in that perfect spot to where, you know, they still love on you, but they're still, a, you know, they're a little bit older. So they can do a little bit more for themselves. Whereas in kinder, it's really tough at the beginning. There's, there's a yeah. really large learning curve there. Right, exactly. So I, I love that grade level because you can definitely see the growth from when they come in to the end of the year. Right. Yeah. Um, and so how, so how long have you been teaching? This is my 12th year. Wow. Okay. Um, and okay, so this is your 12th year. So where do you see yourself, do you think, in five years? Um, I don't know. That's something I'm currently struggling with, I'll be honest. Um, I have my master's degree in special ed. Mm -hmm. I have my, uh, diagnostician certificate. So I definitely won't be in the classroom, I think in the next five years, but overall, I'm wondering now if public education is Mm -hmm. where I want to be. Um, Mm -hmm, mm I know education will always be in my life. I will always be an educator, but I'm kind of learning that there's different ways of being an educator. Right. So, um, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know that I'll stay in public education uh, for the next five, six, seven, or even retire as a public education, mm-hmm. you know, educator. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I'm kind of trying to figure out. Okay. Yeah. I totally, I, I totally understand. And I agree. I agree with that. Cause I think it's, um, overwhelming, um, to yeah. say the very, that's like the tip of the iceberg. It's overwhelming. Um, and there's a lot that we have to do, especially as bilingual educators, um, and sometimes people, you know, I think one of the things that people always say is like, oh, well, you know, um, you get that stipend and it's, it's like, okay, but that's, you know, there's, it's more than just, you know, it's, I mean, just as an educator alone, it's really difficult. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. public, a public educator. But I think when you add in that, uh, bilingual mm-hmm. education to it, um, it, it becomes even more difficult uh, on top of like the extra paperwork and clerical stuff mm-hmm. that we do aside from that alone it's just um, sometimes not feeling the support sometimes mm-hmm. not feeling heard or listened to um, and that that could be by your administrators or sometimes that could be the community sometimes that could be even like as the state at, you know looking right. at Texas Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. lack of support from the bilingual, you know, to the bilingual program, um, it can be a little bit disheartening. Um, but it, you know, it's a factor if I'm going to stay in public education or not. Right. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. So I guess you can talk about what do you like most about being a teacher or being an educator? For me, I think it's the students. I mean, one hundred percent, the students. Um, and for me, it's it's been wonderful for me to be able to connect to my native language mm-hmm. in a way that I wasn't before. You know, I am a native Spanish speaker, but it's something that I lost to the Texas public education system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I lost that, my language. And so being able to use that as a way for me to connect to that side of my identity has been great and to be able to connect with my students and their families in that way mm-hmm. um, has been awesome that is by far my my favorite part of teaching those connections those um, the ways that we can connect with our students in those little those little ways right exactly I'm so glad you said that because I feel like a, I think a lot of us are in that position where or are in that that same um, place where we lose it along the way, right? Especially when you're enrolled in like non-bilingual programs because your parents really want you to learn English, um, right. and then you grow up not knowing like who you are because you're like, well, right. do I speak Spanish? Do I speak English? Am I one? Am I the other? Am I both? You know what? You know who am I? There's and, a disconnect there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think definitely becoming a bilingual educator totally it helps you sort of come back to it and and say this is this is my language. This is right. you know this is me. This, this yeah. is part of me. This is who I am. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I when I was in public education, I, it was an ESL program. There was no bilingual at where I was in San Antonio mm-hmm. um, growing up, and so it was straight into English. I showed up in pre-K not knowing anything. My teacher was a white woman who did not speak Spanish. And so luckily I was able to pick it up 
rather quickly. I exited, I think, by second grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was able to pick it up. But, you know, for a lot of our babies, that's not the way that it works. You know, for typical second language acquisition, it takes a lot longer. Right. Uh So, yeah. um, yeah, that's I know. I think that's like a lot. A lot of a lot of our stories are, are very similar. My mom, I don't remember exactly. I don't think I've ever really asked her because I kind of already knew the answer in terms of why did you enroll me in um you know in English and all English, not even ESL, just straight up just regular, Merch. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um and um but I knew I knew why because she wanted me to learn English because she knew how much she struggled in this country not knowing English that she thought to herself I can't allow my daughter to go through that right my Um, mom thought the exact opposite she (laughs) um she was like she was adamant that us children would learn spanish at home my father knew english and Mm -hmm. he learned english you know he moved here and and was working so he learned english but she was adamant that we learned spanish because she said there's no way that i can have children that cannot speak with my family and you know, both sides of our family back in Mexico. She said, you're going to learn English eventually. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you, you are, because you're going to have to. You, you, mm-hmm. live, mm-hmm. you live in the United States, and that is the language that you're going to learn. So I know you will learn it, but it's my job to teach you the Spanish. And so I'm really glad that she felt that way about mm-hmm. it. We also understand the other side of it. You're just trying to do the best that you can for your kids. And so you're thinking I need them to learn English so that they can be successful in, in this country. Right. So, mm-hmm. You know, everyone does it for different reasons, but I think either side, it, they make that decision out of love. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause even, even though in school it was all English at home, it was all Spanish. You know, it was just like, you're gonna, you're still gonna speak, you know, like speak to me in Spanish. I mean, to this day, that's what we speak to each other. My mom and I is Spanish because I never lost that at home. Right. Um, okay, so what is what something that you dislike, uh, I guess, the most about your... Because I know we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Right. So, And it's going that back, you know, just feeling kind of unsupported mm-hmm. at, at times um, and uh, on different levels. You know, sometimes it could be your own coworkers down the hall, you know, just comments that they'll say or things like that. Um, it could be the district at large it could be the state of texas i mean it's the country let's be honest you know Mm -hmm. and it's that's the part that i really dislike and not just for myself but for my students and their families you know i can handle it i have the knowledge of why bilingualism is um necessary and why it's so beneficial Mm -hmm. i can state those facts but when children are being you know, throw those things or their families, they don't know how to respond, you know? And so that's the part that I, I dislike. Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot of, um, politics involved in all of that. And it's so unfortunate because it is true. The students in the end are the ones who suffer. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. What is something that you wish that you knew before starting your first year as a teacher? Gosh, that was a tough one. (laughs) That was a tough (laughs) thing to think about, but I think the most important is just to not let it consume you completely. Um, mm-hmm. Grad school was a big eye opener for me. Um, I worked the first five years um, in another school district away from home, mm-hmm. about 45 minutes away. And so I would stay there till about 5.30. I 
drove 45 minutes and then I wouldn't pick up the baby until late and she would go to bed at 8.30. So I would spend max maybe an hour and a half, two hours with my baby. And then I started grad school and I was like, oh no, that's got to end. I can't, I, this is not sustainable for me. And so yeah. I had to set limitations so that it didn't, you know, um, dip too much into my personal life. So yes, just realizing you're going to be passionate about it. Yes, it's it's your career, and yes, a part of our identity, but it's not our entire identity. And so, mm-hmm. you know. yeah, it's always important to remember that because I always tell like any boss that I've ever had, it's like I love my job, I love what I do, and I'm very passionate about it. But it's me, my family, and then my job. My job comes third always. Right. Yeah. So I talked about where you see, where you see yourself in five years. Um, tell me about your social justice work because I have been following you on um, IG for I think almost a year, if not over a year now. And what really brought me to your page, and I don't even know how. Really, I don't remember how I came across your page, but I remember reading some of the things that you were posting, and I was like, I really like this. <laughs> this person <laughs> like she says all the things that I wish I had the vocabulary to be able to say the way she says it um and I was like I need to like follow her and like be her friend because she says a <laughs> lot of things that I'm like I think but I can never really like muster the courage to say because I feel like I'm gonna talk out of turn or I'm gonna say something wrong or you know something like that but yeah. but uh, yeah so tell me about that and um yeah just well, I think it's it's just a part of me. I've always been outspoken. Um, I, I've always been, and it's not that I'm like looking to argue or pick fights or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've just always been a person that's been very outspoken. And what for me, it, what's right is right. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could be coming from someone that I love, but if you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and my mom was very much that way. You know, she loves us all, but she is not afraid to, you know, let us know when we're doing something wrong, you know? And so Mm -hmm. for me, social justice work, I think, uh, you know, I I don't know that I would call myself an advocate or or anything like that. I'm Mm -hmm. just speaking my mind a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was really inspired by, like you, other teachers that Mm -hmm. I followed on Instagram. Um, I... Um, it was probably about 2014, 2015, and I think the first one that I followed was Britt Hawthorne, mm-hmm. um, and she was really someone that brought me into this world of advocating in social justice work and anti-racism and anti-bias education, and um, I am not an expert by any means mm-hmm. at all. I'm constantly learning and unlearning and um, checking myself you know, and the things that I think and the things that I do and why. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a process. It's a journey. You know, we're never going to be done with Mm -hmm. it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I learned so much from the teachers myself on Instagram uh, that I follow. And and I'm very careful about who I follow as well. Yes. Um, And it's not against anybody. You know, I, I, you know, if your purpose is to be on Instagram for the fun, cute things, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I do like that, but that's not the only reason that I'm there. And so 
you know, I did unfollow a lot of people. I did unfollow a lot of the big teacher gurus and, and things like that. You know, you, you notice the things that they're saying or not saying. Um, right. You know, the big TPT sellers and things like that. And, you know, it, this summer, you know, I did a big thing about unfollowing TPT and, and um, that company. And right. not that I don't support the sellers, you know, like mm-hmm. you, several other sellers that I really support. And so I'll reach out to them personally to buy products directly instead of supporting them. But, it, you know, you have to be purposeful. And what's your purpose on Instagram? What are you there for? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're following accounts that are feeding that part of you that you need nourished, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just now coming into this confident place where I can say things, you know, like about race and just bias and just things that I notice that I don't like that really just, you know, I've always known they're wrong. It's just a matter of like now it's like, well, there's no excuse anymore because now I know it's wrong. What am I doing about it? You know? And I I think that's like we say, you were constantly learning and then unlearning the things that we thought were okay and like quote unquote normal. I hate using that word, but you know, like things that were normal, they're no longer, they're not, they they never were normal, but it's just like now you're like realizing, okay, this is, we need to stop doing this and we need to stop saying this and we need to call it out when we see it and we need to make changes to ourselves check ourselves I know I have to constantly check myself and a lot of times I watch your stories and I see you check yourself and I'm like I say that I need to check myself too because the other day I saw you 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 posted like a video and you said you guys and then you said I need to check myself because I should not have said you guys and then the other day I posted a story and I was like I need to stop saying you guys and (laughs) you know it's like I need to it's like you're constantly learning from like different people like Brit I mean she's amazing I, I follow her as well and I mean, it's just, yeah, other people teach me. They don't even know that I exist probably, but they teach me. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. It's just once you, once you realize the level of conditioning that we've had Mm -hmm. and that we're conditioning our own children, I'm looking at my own children at home and as teachers, our students that we're conditioning. And so I think it's really important for teachers to check themselves and, and, you know, learn these things, unlearn these things so that we don't continue to pass those things on. And like you said, make them normal. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want them to continue to be normal. And so that's what we're trying to, you know, stop. Right. Well, you're doing great work. So keep up, I mean, on your IG, just like your voice and your your power you don't realize how many bilingual educators um do follow you and do admire you i i am one of them but i'm sure there are other people out there that also admire you and the things that you do and say well thank you that that it's always wonderful to hear things like that and yeah i think sometimes you don't realize you just feel like you know that people are listening you know Mm -hmm. i I just i'm just gonna say what i have to say if people are listening great and people are not well you know I've had people unfollow and that's fine too. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not for them and that's all right. But yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, you know, like you, you know, we had a, I I feel like a a really deep connection, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel a lot of the same things and we have a very similar sense of humor and and we are passionate about some of the same things. and, Mm -hmm. And yeah, sometimes, you know, we don't realize the power of social media and how, 
positive it can be. I always feel like whenever I post something, I'm upset about something and I like, you know, like record these videos of myself talking really passionate about it. And then I'm like, did anybody even watch? Like, did anybody even watch? Then I feel super <laughs> drained and I'm tired. And I'm like, yes. well, I care. Why doesn't anybody else care? And then some people are like, I care, I care. But sometimes hey. you you care a lot and you don't get a lot of response. And you're wondering, like, did anybody even hear what I was saying? Am I wrong? Like, I start questioning everything. Because I'm like, I don't even know if I said it correctly. Maybe they misunderstood me. And then I just overanalyze everything all the time. So. But it's just an event sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even if nobody else responded, just mm-hmm. even a little bit. And, I mean, maybe somebody that did stop them for a second. You know, maybe next time that'll be something that they do think about. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Okay, and then for my last and final question, uh, what are some ways that someone can start also doing the work? And I'm asking this for myself as well because I still feel like I'm at the very beginning of this journey, um, but sort of like what are some things that we can start doing now today to sort of work towards that? I think one of the first areas is exploring your identity. You Mm -hmm. have to know who you are first. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was really critical for me uh, following Brit and uh, Tiffany Jewell, they did the first anti-bias, anti-racist um, book club, mm. um, and that was a big part of it in filling out an identity wheel. You can just Google identity wheel, and you'll okay. explore your identity first before you can kind of explore the rest of these issues, such as race and and you know um, issues with. Uh, disabilities and ableism and ageism and classism and all those things. Um, first, getting to know yourself. Second step, what was really helpful to me was following Teaching Tolerance. Teaching Tolerance is an organization that you can find on Instagram, but they have a website and they have uh, social justice standards that you can put into use in your classroom. Mm. They have workshops that you can go to, like 30 bucks. you go to the workshop, they have breakfast and lunch for you, and they teach you how to put these social justice um, standards into use in your classroom. Um, I went to the one in Houston in April, and Britt was actually there. Mm -hmm. That was the second time that I met her, and it was really awesome to be there with her and all these other educators. pre-service teachers I was amazed how many pre-service teachers were there like how awesome would that Mm -hmm. have been for me as a pre-service teacher before starting my career as a teacher with this already started I thought that was awesome Um, but all of their stuff is free you go to teaching tolerance or is it tolerance.org I believe Mm -hmm. Um, and they have some really good stuff a lot of the stuff is in Spanish social justice standards are Spanish they have guidelines, books, I mean, just anything that you could on race, on um, gender identity, how to help our LGBTQ students, um, immigrant families, um, teaching hard history such as slavery and things for older ones. Like I said, all this stuff is free. So I would totally suggest following Teaching Tolerance. That's Those are really good um, tips. I need to look into those as well. I think Britt actually messaged me in April to go to that workshop um but it was it was like the night before and i couldn't you know call in because my boss 
They had two. She would have lost her mind. <laughs> they had two days, but I only was able to go to the Friday. I didn't get to go to the Saturday. I really wish I would have gone to both of them, but um, either one, it, it was awesome. It was great. I totally suggest it for for anybody that can. They have webinars if you can't make it to their, mm. you know, workshops and stuff, podcasts and things like that. So they, they I mean, they're really committed to to this cause. That's good. Okay, I'm going to look them up for sure. I think I'm already following them, but I'm still going to look it up because I do want to go to one of their workshops. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to add to anyone who's listening before I sign off on this episode? I mean, just, I hope everyone just keeps on doing the work. I mean, if we're not doing it, who else is going to do it? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we all have our off days, but I think for the most part, the community that I have found online uh the community that i have here locally with my fellow bilingual teachers you know um it's it's made me a better teacher i've learned so much from other people and you know just realizing we're we're students as well and we're never done learning and um i mean yeah just keep keep going for forward palante you know (laughs) (laughs) yep exactly exactly don't you just love her final words? Palante. That concludes the interview with mi amiga Cristina at Bilingual underscore adventures. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took something from it. I'm Diana. You're listening to the Biliteracy Now podcast. And as always, my hope is that you leave inspired. <laughs>